Welcome to the second episode of Dan Time. Hey, I'm your host, Dan McArdle. It is good to have you here. Nice to have you as a listener. You've got a lot to choose from. You've got your your own top three, top five favorite podcasts. But for right now, you're you're wedging us in. You're taking a shot, working Dan Time into your rotation. I appreciate it. Last week, Jim Powell kicked us off unexpectedly, but that was a blast. Uh, We talked a lot of nonsense, but hopefully it was worth your while. And this week we get to the Dans. Dan Weinrib, just a stand-up guy. I had the pleasure of working with him a little over 10 years ago in Birmingham, my last stop in Birmingham, Alabama. And he and I connected briefly, and we kept in touch. And it has been so nice to reconnect with him. Dan has been a public servant in Alabama for over 20 years. Uh, back Way back in 2003, he ran a, an extremely close race for tax assessor for Jefferson County. And we get into that in this episode. You're going to love the story. Um, a lot of cool details about Dan Weinrib. He is the chief records officer, the city clerk for Trustville, Alabama. Trustville is about 20 minutes outside of Birmingham, and let me tell you, it is a hot spot. This uh, this particular city in the state is one of the fastest growing between 2010 and 2020. I believe they've experienced over 30% uh, population growth, and worth a look, worth a visit, great schools, and uh, a really cool entertainment district, but uh that's that's Dan's role, and you're going to love his background, his story. I'm so excited to bring it to you. A um, little information on Dan time, and I'm going to check out of this. I'm not going to talk for 10 minutes, but if you'd like to reach the show, dantimepod at gmail.com is how you reach me. I'm also on X at dantimepod. We got the Facebook page and Instagram. Enjoy this episode with Dan Weinrib, and have a great week. Hey, Dan. So great to have you here today. Well, thank you, Dan. It's an honor to be your guest. Well, you are the very first Dan out the gate. So nice distinction for you to have and to uh, put on your wall of accolades, I guess. (laughs) Well, thanks. This is a this this is a this will be a highlight for one of us and uh, hopefully not a low light for both of us. So uh, but thank you. It's an honor and uh, it's great to reconnect with you. Well, I'm glad to have you on, and obviously we've uh, we made our connection a little over a decade ago, and um, be- became good friends for a brief period. And I'm just really glad to be back in touch with you. You're another great example of not just a Dan, but a um, a person that you know. I think more people should know about, and especially in the role that you're currently in and and your background. Dan Weinrib is the city clerk for Trustville in Jefferson County and uh, has a just a rich background of, of public service. So hopefully this episode will be a um will be informative for our listeners on just what, you know, a brief overview of of what a city clerk position entails uh, cuz maybe the average citizen doesn't know some of the ins and outs of that role and what how you contribute to your community. So I guess just give us a, a brief rundown of what you do day to day in a nutshell 
That's a great question, Dan. Uh, and uh, thanks for uh, asking me to be your uh, guest on your show. Uh, the city clerk in, uh, in Alabama city governments is basically, they are basically the chief records officers for the towns or cities that they serve in. And in my role in Trustful, I'm responsible for uh, keeping records, that, whether it's the minutes of city council meetings, the resolutions and ordinances they pass. There's also the Planning and Zoning Commission uh, that decide or help or make recommendations on various matters like annexations, rezoning, subdivisions. And so I'm the recording secretary for them. I keep track of uh, contracts and other city documents on behalf of the city. I'm the chief records officer. And so I'm responsible for the preservation, retention, and, and hopefully destruction of various records uh, from time to time. Uh, also, as uh, city clerk, my office that is responsible by state law for the issuing of business licenses. And if that weren't enough, every four years when we have a municipal election, it's up to the city clerk to put on the city election for mayor and city council, much like what the secretary of state does for the state of Alabama. That's what city clerks do for their respective cities. So it's a lot of uh, project juggling. And uh, in my role, I interface a lot with not just internally with other departments, but also with the public at large. So there's a lot of juggling going on. And Dan, I would I would just take a guess that there's a lot of diplomacy or diplomatic skills that you've got to kind of have in your pocket to help different factions work together. And do you get to bring different types of people together? And if so, do you enjoy that part of your role? Uh, thankfully, I'm an extrovert. Otherwise, I, I would be absolutely miserable on this job. <laughs> no, you, you, you have to you, you, communication and relationship uh, skills are an app, are a must in order to be successful in this job. I mean, if you are great with writing and record keeping, but you dread dealing with people. The city clerk job can be a mismatch for anybody in the profession. Now, there are, don't get me wrong, there are many introverts among my peers uh, throughout the state, but definitely you got to love what you do and you got to love the community you work for and the people you serve. And so, yes, having those people skills are a must. And uh, thankfully, I'm, I'm blessed with that. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be modest here, but I, I really love interacting with the public as well as uh, with my colleagues throughout city government. Yeah, and don't ask me where I pulled this quote, but I really love it. And I, I think more people can hopefully take some inspiration here. I do what I love and love what I do. My smile on Monday mornings matches matches my smile on Friday afternoons. Jeez, that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's a it's a it's an absolute awesome blessing when you uh, have a a job that you do. It doesn't feel like a job. It uh, you know there there are times where I go to work and I think to myself, I can't believe they actually pay me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but I also, by the same token, you and I come from uh, the working world, and we've experienced jobs where 
we did not enjoy what we were doing, or maybe we enjoyed we enjoyed what we were doing, but we did not enjoy the, the place where we worked at. And that's when that happens. That's when uh, your nine to five may feel like a grind. But I'm I've been lucky for the last seven years, uh, the last seven years since really October 2016 to. Uh, find a job and employers uh, that I absolutely uh, have enjoyed hanging my hat at. So it's awesome. Well, and um, you've had prior uh, stops. I mean, your public service record goes back, uh, let's just say, 20 years. So before the city of Trustville, you were uh, in the same role with the city of Tarrant. And um, I'm sure I don't have to just guess that you left that position in a better place than you found it and form some great relationships that I'm sure you still carry to this day. Uh, correct. Uh, correct. Uh, I, I was lucky. Uh, I had a, before Tarrant, I had a seven year hiatus uh, from public service where I was back in the private sector. And then Tarrant, this is under mayor Loxville Tuck, uh, mayor Tuck and the city council, uh, hired me to be their city clerk in October, 2016. And, uh, at that time, their city clerk had to take medical retirement. She had a heart condition that was preventing her from being able to continue on with the job. When I came into office, uh, as city clerk over in Tarrant, uh, there were a lot of files to go through and, to reorganize an office that my predecessor, her, her health and stamina just didn't allow for her to be able to stay on top of the work like she had done before. And so there was some some backlog cleanup to do. And on top of that, I, uh, as city clerk over there, I had to quickly learn how to supervise municipal court magistrates and I had never done magistrate work myself, and so I had to quickly immerse myself in the Alabama magistrate training so that I could learn how to be two employees supervisor on that side of the municipal court side of city government. And it, it was a it was a very hard crash course, but it was a very enjoyable one. And, and what you find, Dan, is that in smaller cities like Tarrant and even smaller cities like that, uh, the city clerk is uh, juggling even more balls. They may, in a way, act like the city spokesperson responsible for social media. They may be responsible in other towns, at least not Tarrant, of running the city finances. Fortunately for me, there was an accountant on board who served as the chief finance officer, so I didn't have to do that. Uh, but anyway, but when I was over in Tarrant, I was in as many as 10 different lanes of management traffic, but I immersed myself in the job and loved it. And four years later, yes, I like to think I left the office in better shape than I found it. But when uh, Trustful came a calling and offered me a job that I would have been an idiot to refuse, uh, they are a bigger city with more resources and they have their own for instance, their own finance department, their own HR department, the mayor's assistants responsible for social media and municipal court is its own department. And so I went from 10 lanes of management traffic to, to about three or four lanes. And my work life is a bit more simpler, more concentrated now that I'm working for Trustful compared to Tarrant. And it's no knock on Tarrant, it's just that 
as I said, Trustful gave me an offer that was uh, too good to pass up. I, th- I think that's a really good comparison where somebody listening that is at a certain point in their career that may be wearing, like you said, a lot of different hats and they're thinking, ah, yeah, I don't know why they don't have somebody designated for uh, all these other roles that I seem to be filling day to day. But, um, you know, the city clerk's role in Detroit is probably a lot, Detroit, Michigan or St. Louis, Missouri is probably a little bit different than when you can drill down, you know, to a hyper local area. Uh, correct. And that, that's why, you know, I always, I often refer to our profession as we're just, we're, we're, uh, we're jugglers and, uh, the smaller the city, the more, the more balls you have to juggle. And conversely, the larger the city, the fewer. So that's just how the nature of the beast, that's how it works. Uh, Dan, I'm going to, I always like to jump off the train for a second when I have a thought. Do you, um, with your personality and your interest in obviously serving your community, but but impacting those who just happen to be around you, maybe happen to be passing through that office for a period of time and they're working a role, they may not be there forever, but have you have you had people that you've been able to kind of light a fire underneath and, and maybe because of your involvement in their life, uh, they've kind of gotten more out of themselves than they were inclined to do? Um, is that something that you just generally enjoy doing if you see someone in the corner at a cubicle across the way that just looks like no one's really speaking to them. Do you, do you like to reach out to those folks? I, I'll leave it up to my coworkers uh, to answer uh, how much of a difference I may or may not have made on their work lives. But, you know, I, I just my inclusive nature, I like to try to get to know as many people as possible uh, wherever I go, wherever I work. And and I, I like to think that I have done that. I, I do know that whether it was here in Trustful or in Tarrant or previously in Jefferson County in, in my public sector roles, that I tend to have developed great rapport with the folks I work with most frequently. And I remember going back to my Jefferson County days when I was a tax assessor, that there were some employees who, whether they were in the assessment section of property tax or in tax mapping who did their jobs, did it well. And in my six plus years there, I had an opportunity to promote a large number of them uh, up one rung up the hierarchy ladder. And in some cases too, Uh, something I'm proud of is that during my time as county tax assessor, over 60% of my promotions went to people from the minority demographics, more often not African-Americans, but also two-thirds of those promotions went to women. And talking about, you know, opportunities and diversity in the workplace, I'd like to think that for some time made a difference in those folks' lives. Over in uh, Tarrant and in Trustful, I've yet to have an opportunity to offer uh, such promotions just because such few, there, there aren't really any supervisory roles underneath the city clerk that I have experienced. Uh, I have had two hiring opportunities and as far as positions, and one was in Tarrant, the other one here in Trustful. And I know that those folks certainly appreciate the opportunity I've given them to not only get the job, but train in the job and 
you know, as their supervisor, I want them well trained. So uh, whenever the state of Alabama or one of these government associations offers training, I make sure that they go. Well, Dan, uh, speaking of the Jefferson County tax assessor role from, uh, wow, I'm sure you can't believe it's been 20 years ago. No, I cannot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was, uh, we've, we've talked about this briefly in the past, but um, that election cycle and that campaign was, you weren't destined for success. You probably weren't sure. I, I, I'm sure. I know you weren't sure until the 11th hour that you were even going to win the race. Um, yes. Dan, we could probably dedicate an entire episode, and maybe we need to do a part two <laughs> just just to that, that time period in that race. But tell me about the the early start of that campaign and then just kind of run me up to election night, and then we'll do that. Uh, okay, wow. Uh, and you're right. This could be a, a, <laughs> a, a standalone conversation for another time, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to give you the – the background, uh, the Reader's Digest version. When I first moved to the Birmingham community in 1996, I was doing political work for the Alabama Democratic Party. This was after I finished getting my master's degree in public administration in Alabama. And I worked for the Alabama Democratic Party back when there was a meaningful Alabama Democratic Party. And my focus at the time was on local elections, helping the state party win the hotly contested races like the top 50 courthouse races across the state. And so I guess you can say that's where the seed was planted. Uh, fast forward to 1999. I'm living in Birmingham. I'm in, back, I'm in the private sector as an investments advisor, but I still have a hand in political activism. A local judge, Pete Johnson, the district judge on the criminal side, who knew me from the state party, came up to me and said, you know, Dan, I've got a friend who is retiring. He's the longtime tax assessor. You'd be perfect for this job. You ought to consider running for it. And here he is like three years before the, that election, and he's planting the seed in my head. And I tell him at the time, Pete, I'm going through a divorce right now. My mind is just not in the central time zone right now. He goes, I'll tell you what, get your divorce behind you. Get get things straightened out and let's talk again next year. It's like, okay, 2000. So we talked in 2000 and he said, just follow the courthouse races, help some local candidates, see where you're at after the 2000 election. I said, yes, sir. And so I volunteered here and there for a couple of local candidates. Like at the time, uh, Alan King was running for probate judge place two. And there was David Lichtenstein who was running for district judge uh, for the first time. They both won their races in 2000. And once I went through the 2000 numbers, uh, uh, precinct returns, I realized after studying it, wow, 2002 can be a winnable race. And so I spent 2001 planning it, trying to develop uh, what was going to be my shtick, what was going to be my theme for for promoting, you know, why Dan Weinrib and why for this particular little known courthouse office. And uh, it also meant, you know, dialing for dollars and leaning on really close friends and family for initial seed money. And then 2002 uh, was when... Uh, well, actually, at the end of 2001, November 2001, was when I made it known, I declared, before the qualifying season even started. And then 2002 was when uh, the election cycle got going. I qualified. It was at the same election cycle as 
the uh, governor's race, which at the time was Sigelman running for re-election, and uh, you know state legislatures, county commissioners, uh, races were going on. And at the end of the qualifying period in spring of 2002, I had no primary opposition. I had gotten my name out there among Democratic circles, which, you know, considering I wasn't even from Birmingham, I'm born and raised in Montgomery. I've only had only lived in Birmingham for at that point, five to six years. Uh, that was something. And and so I got to spend basically April through early November focused on the general election and where I knew I needed to get my name out all across the county, uh, every nook and cranny possible. And yes, I had to basically as a candidate, I, I learned quickly that your job as a candidate is to find money and find votes. And Dan, in, in that cycle, so this is that political climate you got to be walking into businesses or knocking on doors where going in there, did you think, hey, I'm walking into enemy territory, but I'm just going to try to shake some hands and see what kind of impression I can make? Dan, that's a great question. Um, initially, I thought that, but when I when it came down to it, you know, the the, the tax assessor's office is not a policy-making position. It's really just an administrative role. And what I found was that very few people had ever heard of the office or even heard of the incumbent who actually held the job. And so it wasn't a case of going into enemy territory. I was just going in and meeting people who needed to be aware that this is a position that they where their vote could make a difference that and uh, they get to actually meet a candidate for this office for the first time and so i saw it as just a uh, every day as an opportunity to sell myself to potential voters never felt like i was going to enemy territory i was just going into unknown territory and i get to make a, a good first impression on whoever i get a chance to meet that that's a great point where you you probably had the luxury of just talking about the role as opposed to let's say if you're running for a uh, house district or state senator and then you really got to start talking about the Clinton administration or the the boogeyman on whatever side and you get and then you just get lost and and wrapped up in all that and you don't really get to talk or educate that person about what you'd actually be doing for them uh, cor correct. And, and, and here, one of the things I did, Dan, was, you know, I, I looked, I studied the office and looked at who, who does this office uh, touch on, uh, touch regularly that makes a difference in their, in the work they do. And I, and what first struck me was anyone who's tied to the real estate community, you know, whether it's realtors, whether it's title companies, whether it's appraisers, folks like that. And so I made it a point to reach out through close friends to various members of the real estate community, realtors and such. And I lost track of how many times people said, Dan, this is the first time anyone has ever come to us and to, to introduce themselves. This is this is new for us. This is awesome. And uh, I remembered that. And, uh, and thankfully, they remembered that, too. So, yeah, so it, it worked to my advantage to be able to start making inroads with various parts of that business community. At this time, I guess when you're in the campaign season, you were engaged or had recently married. And I just remember you telling me a funny story about election night. So obviously, 
the day of the election, you go cast your vote, and you really don't know. I mean, did you expect to win? Did you think, well, I feel good, but I'm just not sure. How did you feel? And then tell me about when when the results came in. <laughs> you know, we can, look, we can look back on that night and laugh now. Uh, all right. Well, first of all, uh, you know, you, okay, keep in mind the climate. You've got George W. Bush had been elected president in 2000. This is the midterm election. And Siegelman was in a dogfight of a re-election race, which he turned out he would narrowly lose. And we also knew that he was pouring a lot of get-out-the-vote dollars into Jefferson County because he needed Jefferson County to turn out big for him to win. And uh, that morning, election day, I wake up, and it is raining. And it is raining heavy through the morning. And the, the clouds matched my mood. And I'm thinking, I saw, oh no, <laughs> it's gonna, the rain's going to depress our our turnout, and I was just fearing the worst. And but then the cloud, uh, the rain broke by midday, and uh, and uh, you know, the sun started breaking out through the sky, and you know, the rest of the day was going fine. I go to Glen Iris Elementary School. I was living in Southside Birmingham at the time. To cast my vote, I shake hands with my neighbors uh, and thank them for working the polls. And uh, during the day, my my mood started to pick up, and I was checking in with the Siegelman campaign. And we were, and I was finding out that you know numbers were healthy, not quite as healthy as 1998, but they were still healthy enough that they were confident they could win the county comfortably. I'm thinking to myself, well, hopefully there's enough coattails there. And um, basically by six o'clock that night, while I opened up my house to my fiance and my friends to occupy my house and have the election night party. I hung out at the downtown courthouse to watch the returns come in. Nowadays, you can just go on the Internet and just refresh your laptop to see what the precinct returns, you know, what the county returns are saying. But, you know, we didn't have that luxury quite yet in 2002. I'll always remember this with about. 65 or so percent of the precincts having already reported the difference in number of votes between my Republican opponent and me. And there was a third party in the race, a libertarian. The number of votes separating him and me was four votes. (laughs) And I thought to myself, oh, my God, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And the and I remember thinking to myself, "Okay." Does Alabama have a recount law? How do we do recounts if the margin is this close? And uh, anyway, the the lead flipped again. This time I was ahead uh, after some more boxes trickled in. And that night, uh, it got down to like the final 10 boxes. I was ahead by a few thousand votes. Call it maybe four to 5,000 votes. But I saw that the last seven precincts had yet to report, and six of them were from Republican suburban areas. And I'm thinking to myself, uh-oh. And then, you know, with each subsequent box that reported, I still had a lead, but it was narrowing and narrowing and narrowing and narrowing. And then it got to one box left. And I was up by 701 votes out of over 200,000 cast. Damn, I kid you not. And I'm thinking to myself, where is that last precinct? Where is it? And uh, I forget who at the courthouse told me this, but 
it was from this area near Ross Bridge, but unincorporated Jefferson County, that uh, where the number of voters for that total precinct was smaller than my lead. And that's when I could breathe a sigh of relief that I knew I had uh, I was going to finish the night on top. And I figured if I was the happiest person in Jefferson County that I won, my future mother-in-law had to have been the second happiest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Her her son-in-law was going to be gainfully employed for at least the next six years. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I won the narrowest race in the county by 701 votes. And, you know, which comes down to like maybe two votes per precinct countywide. And I thought back to all, you know, all 22,000 plus miles I put on my car, all those hands I shook, every effort that I made. And I can't put my, Dan, I I cannot put my hand on any one thing that I did that made a difference in the race. But I knew that all the hard work that, that I did with help from friends and friends of friends to get me over the top, I, you know, it was an, ex- was a life learning experience. I'll never forget. And, um, it was, uh, you know, I, I still get chills thinking about that, uh, that experience. It was, uh, very humbling and just incredible. It, it is incredible. And I'll, uh, uh, it was incredible because, uh, you know, for somebody who was not originally from the community to come in and six years later, get elected countywide, uh, was amazing. And I'll always, remember that night as my parents uh left to go home my mom said you know danny i'm always danny to her said danny i want you to remember this i want you to remember all the people who were your friends long before you became a political candidate then you need to remember all the people who became your friends during the campaign and helped you get to this point and then remember all the people who suddenly become your friends after tonight, make sure you always remember that the difference. And, uh, you know, that it really is true. you know, there's certain people in your life who, uh, will stay with you throughout. And there are other people who will be in your life temporarily. And then there are people who will come in and well, they'll pretend to be your friend. (laughs) And that's just the nature of life as well as, you know, politics, uh, magnified. Yep, as they say, uh, everybody loves a winner, so it's it's real easy to get on board with a winner and say, "Yeah, that's my guy," or uh, to to hang around that person. But uh, that what great advice from your mom? It, yeah, well, uh, you know, look, it's no surprise. I mean, I look, I grew up in Montgomery, where government is part of. Uh, I mean, it, it's central to life down there, and you know. I remember going with my mom as a kid to city hall or to state government when she, whenever she had to lobby on certain issues. And, you know, uh, something that she impressed upon us uh, boys, um, the youngest of three boys was, you know, everybody who's in elected office works for you. And so you deserve to know, you know, what they are doing on your behalf and how they are conducting uh, the public business because this affects you and me. And so fast forward from that early childhood lesson to when I took office in January of 2003 and I show up at the courthouse and I see my name over the front door of the tax assessor's office. And I'm thinking, wow, that looks cool. And then there goes my mother's timeless advice. And that's when I, you know, I remembered now I'm being watched. 
And so, yeah, uh, once again, another humbling moment. But but still, you know, it, it's uh, another timeless lesson for anybody who wants to get into public services. Uh, remember what you're doing, you're being monitored, and so conduct yourself accordingly. That's great stuff, Dan. We've talked a lot about your career and your past experience. Dan, just from me to you, thank you for your years of public service. Um, I haven't lived in Jefferson County in over 10 years, but I appreciate what you do. I, I think oftentimes on a municipal level, a lot of the hard work that goes on behind closed doors, just the average person going about their day doesn't realize that there are people uh, working very hard to make a difference in their communities in roles like yours. But then again, there are a lot of people who do know what you do, and the people who know you— um, I hope I'm not getting too gushy here, Dan, but uh, but to know Dan Weinrib is probably to love Dan Weinrib. <laughs> uh, you, you give me too much credit, but I'll take it anyway. But hey, look, no, no, Dan, look, I appreciate folks like you who who understand and uh, appreciate the work that the behind the scenes public servants uh, do, because, you know, we're we're here to make a difference. And more often than not, not get uh, in front of the cameras and, and not do it uh, for notoriety, but we're just doing it just to uh, get the job done and move our communities forward. And uh, anything we can do to help the cause is what stirs us. That's what motivates us. So as we alluded to earlier in the conversation, when you do what you love and you love what you do, it never feels like work. Well, Dan, if you will come back to do a part two, I'm going to tease something here. Um, because I want to do a baseball episode with you, uh, or that's primarily all we talk about. So if you're up for it, we'll schedule. Oh, it. twist my arm! <laughs> no, no, no. But, as, much but as, I understand. I, as much as I love public service, uh, baseball has had my heart far longer than public service ever had, and I'm happy to talk about uh, baseball, uh, my relationship with baseball, and I understand that you've. Uh, uh, you've been a high school baseball umpire. You attended the Harry Wendelstedt School of Umpiring, if I'm saying that correctly. Correct. And um, and also people that, if you're not familiar with Rickwood Field, uh, you probably will be familiar with Rickwood Field. I think next season when they do the classic with two MLB teams. But, uh, well, correct. But... The Rickwood Classic is coming back to uh, Rickwood Field after a few years' absence. Uh, uh, the Birmingham Barons are playing the Montgomery Biscuits. I want to say at or around June 18th. And then two days later, we have San Francisco Giants and the St. Louis Cardinals playing a regular season game at Rickwood Field. Oh, that's right. It's the, the, the Field of Dreams game. Correct. Wow. And you've been involved with, is it Friends of Rickwood? Friends of Rickwood started in 1996. And my involvement uh, with Friends of Rickwood started as a uh, scoreboard volunteer, I want to say around 2004, 2005. And I've been on the Friends of Rickwood board since I want to say either 06 or 07, something like that. So yeah, I've been involved with Rickwood for for 20 years, uh, pretty much. Uh Okay, Dan, let's I want to move to just some random, some wacky rapid fire questions. Go for um, it. Okay. Name a movie that makes you either cry or well up. And it does not have to be a chick flick. It doesn't have to be uh an automatic tearjerker. What's a movie that you watch it and you're like, Man, that just gets me every time. <laughs> 
uh, for the love of the game. Wonderful. Wonderful. When you sit down at a Mexican restaurant, are you getting a usual plate? Are you getting tacos? Are you getting burritos, enchiladas? Or do you sometimes go to a Mexican restaurant that has an expansive menu and you're like, well, shoot, I need to go. I need to try this. Uh, I need to go with this specialty. Do you have a go-to? And if, if Mexican's not uh, and that, your, and one that, of your... That's a, that's a fair question. <laughs> and I love I love Mexican, Mex-Tex food. I, uh, I try to branch out and get a different dish. But my standby is uh, if I if my wife is with me, I'll order a margarita so that she can drive. <laughs> <laughs> when you go to the store, when you go to Walmart or Publix or wherever you shop for just stuff, um, are you one of those drivers or shoppers that you're going to hunt for the the absolute closest open space, or do you just say, you know what, I'm going to shoot to the back, I'm going to get a spot, and I'll be in the store here in a few minutes <laughs> no i i i have a plan of attack uh, and it starts with my wife's grocery list which she she groups things in sequence uh and so that i can get through the grocery store and out of there as quickly as possible i gotta ask you another question i don't know if you're a rock and roll music fan but between these two songs which one would you rather hear two times in a row huey lewis heart of rock and roll or bob Seger? Old time rock and roll. Bob or neither. <laughs> <laughs> and along those lines, uh, who's do you have a favorite artist, or do you have uh, some somebody that's in the top three that just after a long week or or a great day that you're like, oh, I got to hear that song. It uh, it depends on the kind of week, but I would say my, my default music choice are uh, classic blues. So we're talking Muddy Waters. Uh, we're talking B.B. Uh, King, Coco Taylor. These are some great names. Fo- folks like that. I, I, that's, my, uh, that's my default music when I leave work. Dan, have you ever not prepared well enough for a rainy day and shot out the house without an umbrella, without proper shoes, and just gotten soaked before before you get to the office. Last week, I got drenched. Uh, my mid-afternoon <laughs> walk, uh, I left the office ill-prepared and got drenched on uh, on my return to City Hall. And uh, let's just say that my coworkers laughed at my expense, and I deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, we're just about out of time here, but... I would love to have you back for a second episode. Is that a, that a deal? You got hey, that's a sure thing. That's a deal. Okay. Well, Dan Weinrib, it has been a pleasure, folks. I hope you got something out of this episode. Remember, when you leave the house in the morning, make a sweep. Make a quick sweep. Do not leave that exhaust fan on in the guest bathroom. Turn all your lights off. Turn the AC. Don't turn the AC off. Do not turn it off. Put it on an appropriate temperature. Um, for the day, it'll be you'll be happy that you did. Okay, guys, have a great week, and uh, Dan time is out. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Dan.